Three seconds. Curry from half court. Oh! He puts it in at the buzzer. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Warriors All-82 Podcast Solo Edition. After a crazy late season night in the NBA, highlighted obviously by Magic Johnson stepping down, uh, you know, as Lakers president, but, you know, this Warrior-centric podcast. So I want to talk about just some of the Warriors-related stuff uh, that happened tonight to start. And then I want to go through uh, basically a story I wrote for, for the Athletic, the website, um, about like kind of like the 10 stats that I think kind of define this Warrior season uh, as the regular season wraps up and they head towards the playoffs. Before that, though, uh, I want to let you all know, podcast-wise, uh, just some news. The Athletic today announced um, just an expansion into the podcast realm, and uh, you know that includes 20 different podcasts already that are launching this week, many more to come across the whole network. Those are now going to be housed on the Athletic's app, uh, which if you update your app, will have a whole podcast section on the on the bottom left tab um, that is going to include Warriors Plus Minus with Marcus and Tim, uh, Ethan Strauss's House of Strauss podcast. Uh, you know, it's a national NBA podcast with Sam Amick and Joe Varden, podcasts all across sports. If you like different, you know, if you like a random MLB team, eventually there'll be an MLB podcast on that. Um, but with that being said, you know, in line with the athletics business model, we are putting those podcasts behind the paywall. You're going to have to listen to it through the athletic app. You are hearing this potentially, maybe you're hearing it on the athletic app, but it's also possible you're hearing this on Apple Podcasts or something like that, wherever you like to listen. Uh, moving forward, as we head into the playoffs and these podcasts really get going, um, they will only be on the athletics app. And, you know, that it may be a hassle for some people, but it's just kind of part of our business model. Uh, as we try to gain and draw more subscribers to all the great work that we're doing at The Athletic. So, uh, again, starting probably tomorrow after the finale, but definitely by game one this weekend or the series preview podcast we do, these podcasts will only be on The Athletic's app. So subscribe. Hopefully, if you'd like to, uh, you can read a bunch of cra- you know great coverage. Um, we got 30 beat writers across the league. We got national writers, we got writers in other sports, you know, Ken Rosenthal, MLB, stuff like that. So anyway, um, back to what happened tonight, which again was kind of a wild night in the NBA. As it relates to the Warriors, their their game probably wasn't their most important game for them tonight. That would have been Houston, Oklahoma City, Uh, but the Warriors did win in New Orleans, Uh, but the Raptors won in Minnesota, which, you know, kind of nullified the Warriors' final chance at maybe some home court uh, maneuvering. They will now not have home court in any potential finals against the Bucks or Toronto. They will have home court if it's Philly, if it's Boston, if it's any other team in the East in the finals. And they obviously will have home court throughout the West playoffs. Um, but the Houston-Oklahoma City game had big-time ramifications as far as the 6-8 through eight seeds go and even the 2-4 through four seeds, 2-5 through five seeds. Um, so... The you know the Thunder beat the Rockets on a Paul George three deep in the corner, uh, and that sets up an interesting final night. Honestly, if if Paul George doesn't hit that three, I think it's very likely that it would be Warriors Thunder one eight. But because Paul George hit that, now you go into the final night. I think it's very likely going to be Warriors Clippers. If the Warriors lose to the Jazz um, tomorrow night, 
then that is uh, it'll it'll be Clippers in the eight seed no matter what else happens. If the Clippers do win, and there's a decent chance they will, because the Jazz I I believe are now locked into the five seed, um, so they may rest a bunch of guys. And if the Clippers do uh, win that game, then it's on the Spurs game uh, and the Thunder game. The Spurs play the Mavs in San Antonio. That's a very likely a Spurs win. Uh, the Thunder play Milwaukee in Milwaukee on the second night of a back-to-back. Sounds difficult, but again, Milwaukee has already clinched home court throughout the playoffs. They're probably resting guys. So if the Clippers lose, again, Clippers are for sure the eight seed. If the Clippers win, though, uh, then things get a lot more complicated. Uh, here would be the scenarios. Hopefully you can stick with me here. I, I put it on Twitter, and I think it, you know, it, it, in kind of a simpler format if you want to look at it. But if the Clippers win and the Thunder win and the Spurs lose, then it's the Spurs in the eight seed. If the Clippers win, the Thunder lose, and the Spurs win, then it's Thunder in the eight. That's probably the most unlikely scenario. But, again, there is still a scenario. Uh, the Thunder would be the eight seed. That's because they lose a three-way tie breaker to, to LA and San Antonio um, if the Clippers win the Thunder and the Spurs lose the Spurs are at eight and then if all three win just like if all three lose Clippers are the eight seed um, so that is the most like to, to me as we head into the final 24 hours Warriors Clippers is is what I'm probably guessing um, but another interesting scenario played itself uh, you know out atop the west because the Thunder beat the Rockets, and because the Blazers beat the Lakers, uh, and because Utah beat Denver tonight, that sets up a scenario tomorrow, Wednesday, where if the Nuggets beat the Timberwolves in Denver, and if the Blazers beat Sacramento, uh, both likely scenarios, I'd say, two playoff teams with something to play for against two lottery-bound teams that that are on vacation after the game. Um, So if the Nuggets and Blazers win those games, then the Rockets actually slide back to the four seed uh, because of their loss tonight, and that would put them in a 4-5 with Utah, which is not an ideal scenario for the Warriors or the Rockets. Um, That would put the Warriors on line to likely play Houston in the second round, and if it's not Houston, it's it's a Utah team coming off a, a really good Rockets series win. Um, but you know that it, it would be very interesting if it's Warriors Rockets uh, in that second round, and as Nate Duncan said on Twitter tonight, that might put the three best teams in the West on the same side of the bracket because you know, especially in the second half of the season, Warriors have been the best team in the West, Rockets have been right there, and then the Jazz quietly have probably been uh, you know the second or third best team. Really, you could argue even in the NBA. So um, you know that's that's the thornier side of the bracket and you know in a unlikely scenario if the thunder dropped to eight you're talking about warriors thunder one eight jazz rockets four five those four kind of in a death match whereas the other side would be you know nuggets blazers is the two three and uh clippers spurs is the six seven so uh lots gonna go down a lot of uh dominoes still to fall in the final night of the regular season which should make it fun um the warriors do go to memphis and they'll play nothing on the line uh which means a lot of the main guys are expected to rest that definitely includes steph curry because steph curry as i'm sure you've probably seen sprained his ankle in new orleans didn't need to really be playing the warriors rested durant clay thompson bogut iguodala um, they wanted to play a few guys. I, I believe they were already going to give Steph the night and Draymond the night off tomorrow, you know, on Wednesday in Memphis. But in the first quarter, non-contact situation, Steph's kind of coming off a high screen on the right wing, and he, he twists his right ankle. It wasn't a terrible twist. 
um, but enough where you know he he stayed down for a little bit. He tried to sh- tie his shoe tight. Uh, he tried to stay in the game after the timeout, after a quick chat with Celebrini. He even hit a jumper, but on his way down the court, he looks over the bench and he calls himself out of the game, which is kind of a concerning thing for him to do. Jogs to the locker room, doesn't return. They're calling it precautionary. Steve Kerr said he's confident Steph's going to play in game one this weekend. Steph was icing his ankle post game. He didn't talk to reporters, but he was in you know eyesight of us. He had a little light tape on his right ankle. And he walked out of the arena with, you you caught a minor limp, but this does not seem to be serious. But it's not necessarily something the Warriors want to be dealing with, you know, four or five days from game one. But, you know, they are dealing with it. So anyway, uh, the only other thing from tonight, again, uh, I wanted to kind of go through because I, you know, wrote it on the website. But 10 stats I thought kind of uh, defined this Warrior season and, you know, really kind of tells a little bit of a tale of what they are, who they are going into the playoffs. Um, and, you know, I'll go through them somewhat quick. But, uh, you know, I started with number one. I, you know, Steph Curry and Draymond Green this season, plus 521 together in their 1,600 minutes. Um, and that is important because, remember after that Phoenix game, uh, they reworked the rotation with that bad Phoenix loss at home. Coming off of that, they reworked the rotation. So Steph... Curry and, and Draymond all, were always on the court together. They kind of overlapped their minutes almost exactly. Um, and when they weren't doing that earlier in the season, look, Draymond this season has played 443 minutes without Steph, uh, and the Warriors are a minus 55 in them. Uh, those two always seem to work in concert together, and that particularly seems to help Draymond. Um, particularly that would be on the offensive end. Uh, Steph's just gravity and ball movement. Just you know, It helps. Uh, kind of masks maybe Draymond's deficiencies and, and and highlights what Draymond does well. They've run a lot of those high screen pick and rolls, uh, some of that stuff. And now that their minutes are you know overlap almost exactly um, since that uh, Suns game, I think they've only been off the court from each other apart from each other forty two minutes. Um, and you know, some of that was when Steph rested that one game, I think 25 of those minutes. Anyway, they've played 422 minutes together since that March 10th loss. Um, a plus 214 in those 422 minutes. That's an incredible number. It's a, comes with 126.1 offensive rating, a 101.6 defensive rating. Uh, the new rotation pattern is working. Second stat I had on here was just, you know, their team defensive rating this year, which is 108.3, which is not good. You know, if you kind of take the wide scope view this season, 108.3 is by far the worst they've had in this era. Um, and, you know, even in an NBA where everyone's defensive rating is worth, that's a, that's 11th in the league, um, which, you know, you don't want to be there. I mean, historically, you want to be in the top 10. Uh, if you're going to win the title. Now, the Warriors were 11th last year. They kind of limped into the playoffs, turned it on, were fine. But where I think they're in an even better situation this season than last is they've actually been really good down the stretch defensively uh, in their last 15 games. I think I had it down here. Let me find this rating. Um, Yeah, it's 103.6 defensive rating in their last 15 games. That's that's second in the NBA over that time behind only the Jazz, who at 102.1, Jazz have been awesome defensively uh, really since the break or even a little bit before the All-Star break. But the Warriors have kind of, I guess you'd say, flipped that defensive switch uh, in the last month instead of waiting until round one. Uh, So they're entering as one of the hottest defensive teams in basketball now. 
Um, the Rockets also are too, which I thought was interesting as I was looking up these numbers. The Rockets are 17th in the NBA with a 110 defensive rating for the season. But on that kind of similar trajectory as the Warriors, they've turned it on late in the season. Um, 104 defensive rating in the last 15 games. Um, so, you know, I, I to me, I know they're going to be the four, you know, they might be the four seed in the West. They might be second or third. I still think, and you can include all the East teams in that grouping. I still think Houston is is the biggest threat uh, to them across the league. And the fact that they're going to play in round two, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know who that necessarily favors. I don't think either team wants to see each other in round two. Um, but you could argue uh, from a Houston side of things, uh, maybe James Harden, who has tired out, you know, historically as the playoffs have gone on, maybe it's better for them to see the Warriors earlier. Maybe maybe they got a better crack at it. You know, maybe Chris Paul is a bit healthier than than when he wore down uh, by the end of that Warriors West Finals uh, late last May. So you know, we'll see. You know, that might not even formulate. Maybe one of uh, Portland or or Denver loses tomorrow. But anyway, the third stat I got down here, uh, I'll be quick with this one. Kevin Durant's just mid-range shooting this year. Uh, it's been unbelievable, 54.8%, uh, depending on if he plays tomorrow. But let's say he doesn't. He's going to end the season making 54.8% of his mid-rangers, uh, which really is a crazy number. You know, if you look historically, uh, he, you know, second year in the league, he took 653 mid-rangers way back in the day. He only made 37% of them. Uh, and it, you know, he quickly kind of spiked that percentage, uh, you know, annually into like the 45 to 48% range, but he'd never been over 50% in any of his seasons in the league. Uh, the last few seasons, he was 48%, 49% for the Warriors. Uh, but this season, making nearly 55% of those mid-rangers, and he's doing it by while taking more. Uh, you know, he's taken 458 mid-range jumpers this year, which is, you know, nearly 50 more, or more actually more than 50 more than the last couple of seasons. Uh, you know, he's taken one fewer three per game this season. While I think in some ways you could be critical of his shot selection at times or his shot distribution chart where in this uh, you know era where it has been proven that the most efficient shots are threes are at the rim and you know mid-rangers at time can be uh, you know kind of the inefficient spot on the floor to shoot well he's so efficient at it uh, and he's just so lethal you know in those spots on the floor that it's it still is a good shot for him and you're going to go into the playoffs and look expect him to just take a lot of 15 footers 18 footers 14 footers sometimes contested although with him you know they're contested a lot less than with other guys because you can have an eric gordon on him and he's just basically shooting over eric gordon into him it's almost uncontested but uh you know just that just lethal efficiency uh, it's, it just kind of stands out with his season. So much has been going on around it, but just the way he has just efficiently hit those jumpers, I think, is, uh, has been kind of the story of his season. Fourth stat, uh, Hamptons 5. They are a plus 123 uh, on the season. They'll finish that way because you know Curry's not going to play tomorrow night. Some of the other guys in that lineup might not. So they'll finish at a plus 123. But that almost even kind of undersells how good they've been um, because that plus 123 is 178 minutes. But they were a minus four uh, in December. They played 48 minutes together 
by the end of December. So December 31st, they're a minus 4 in 48 minutes. Since then, by month, plus 37 in 63 January minutes, plus 42 in 34 February minutes, plus 46 in 31 March minutes. Uh, I've only played two April minutes together, plus two. That doesn't really matter. But, I mean, like the plus 46 in 31 minutes in March, it's just like they've been really good together lately. I, rem- I can remember them in Minnesota. Uh, that overtime game, they actually lost. They, the only reason they were in that game is because they had an unbelievable close to the first half and then that unbelievable close to finish it and take that game to overtime. So uh, this is the most deadly lineup in basketball. It is the one that Steve Kerr in any threatening times during these playoffs is going to go to. And if you're the Warriors, you have to feel very good that that lineup, your lineup you're basically um, going to live and die with in the playoffs, is playing really well at the you know most important time of the season. The number five stat to me kind of you know, is related to the number four stat. But Andre Iguodala, this season, his defensive rating, uh, 102.9 when he's on the floor. They're 108.7 when he's off the floor. I mean, he's just had a really good year. Uh, and again, like I said, that's part of the Hamptons five stat too because he is the fifth guy in there. And when he's playing well, I mean, they're, they're just they're so tough to to deal with uh and you know he's had again 35 percent from three this season uh been good defensively had fresh legs played 67 games he sat the final three you know the last few games um and with like a kind of lingering toe issue Steve Kerr said pregame tonight that he plans to get he would all some minutes in Memphis to just kind of try to gain back a little bit of a rhythm as they head towards game one this weekend um but to me he is their defensive key he's shown that the numbers say that um you know Draymond is the anchor he's kind of the brains of the operation but I mean Iguodala just takes him to another level you know with his versatility with his smarts with his quick hands and to have a defensive rating in the year uh you know 2019 of 102.9 during a regular season where a lot of your teammates and at times you even Andre um Aren't, don't care as much, but still his defensive rating is 102.9 when he's on the floor. That just shows you what kind of uh, season he's had and, and really kind of what effect he still will uh, have on the playoffs. And as he enters the final season of that contract that I thought was going to be almost like an albatross at the end, I could see this offseason, you know, them just being fine with paying him that big money entering next year. Stat number seven that I add on here was just the $30 million Clay Thompson question. Um, look, Clay's had a really, you know, another really solid season, plays almost every game. Uh, he has, you know, he's shooting 40.1% from three. And, you know, so he'll probably, again, uh, like every other season in his career, uh, shoot above 40% on high volume amount of threes. Uh, he's, I'm going to vote him all defense. I think probably second team, maybe first team to me. It, there, there's a bunch of guards you can vote all defense him I'm gonna vote him Marcus Martin Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe I think on the first and second teams in some order still haven't decided for sure on that but he's look he's an all defensive guy he's there every night he's on what is now going to be the best team in the west uh the number one seed uh and he's just a, a high volume super accurate three-point shooter so that means potentially you know maybe he's an all NBA third team guard I, I I think Harden and Curry are for sure the first-team guards. I think on most ballots, second-team guards will be Kyrie and Damian Lillard. 
you know, Lillard will be on every ballot second team. I think Kyrie, uh, you know, maybe Kyrie's third team. Maybe you jump one of the other guys that is third team up to second team. But for those final two slots on that third team, I think the guards down there, they're kind of in the argument right now. Kemba Walker, Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, you know, maybe Mike Conley, and then Clay. I think Clay's one of the, the fringe names. I think he's unlikely to get third team. He had that early season slump. Um, you know, he was around like I think 34 percent or so, uh, right around the New Year uh, from three. The Warriors' overall season, you know, because of their just monstrous expectations every year, they are the one seed, but. It, to many, it was kind of like maybe a mild disappointment of a regular season. They're in the 50s and win, whereas, you know, most people would probably expect them to be somewhere in the 60s. I think that hurts a guy like Clay, who is trying to push his way onto an all NBA team. Um, but, anyways, why I said the $30 million question is if he does, it, you know, somehow uh, get himself, you know, if, he, if, if his late season surge and his defense kind of pushes him onto that third team, uh, that elevates his contract into. Um, you know, that extra, that next tier, the designated, you know, veteran extension range where he can then get 35% of the salary cap as his max instead of 30%. And Clay is a guy, it's been made clear behind the scenes that, that um, Clay's expected to demand the max. And if, you know, max money, max years, his max money, max years would probably be, I think, I believe around $190 million, um, if it is just the 30 million or 30% that he can take uh, of the salary cap. But if he gets third team all NBA, then suddenly he can get 35% of that cap and it's around 220 million. So the, it could be a $30 million difference uh, over the life of his next, you know, f- you know, a five-year deal. And, you know, you exponentially, you know, multiply that for the Warriors because of luxury tax, pen- tax penalties. Um, that's an expensive difference for the Warriors uh, as they just kind of try to sort out their future. Stat number seven I had on here, DeMarcus Cousins, plus 69 since March 1st. Uh, he's really turned it on. Uh, t- on uh, Tuesday night in New Orleans, uh, he he got a lot a high usage in this game because, again, Clay sits, Durant sits, Curry turns his ankle in the first quarter, doesn't return. Draymond only plays 18 minutes. Uh, and they let Cousins go against his former team, and he finishes with 21 points, 12 rebounds, six assists. Um, he, you know, he was plus seven. They won by nine, and it, to me, he was kind of the featured guy in the game. And it was just kind of that, that's three straight 2010 games. He just had a string of really, you know, solid nights. I think he's been fine defensively in the last month. And this comes off of February, in which he was a minus 35. He was low efficiency. He was at times getting picked on defensively. They, you know, teams are still targeting him. I just think he's been better. He's shown his quick hands that are getting steals. Uh, He had another steal, another block tonight. He had that sick, what I think it was a six steal, three block game against Denver. Um, and that was the first Denver game. That wasn't even the, the later Denver game where he was dominant against Jokic. Um, so uh, just I'd say mainly just it's been mostly encouragement for DeMarcus uh, since the start of March. Stat number eight I got on here, Jacob Evans. Uh, 170 total minutes in his rookie season and 32 total points in that rookie season. Now, look, 11 of those points came on Tuesday. He got the spot start for Clay Thompson, and he had his most encouraging night we've seen. Really the first time we've seen him in extended minutes, played 37 minutes 
against the Pelicans. Made a three, made some mid-rangers, um, you know, looked somewhat comfortable in a very low-stress NBA environment, but still the first real NBA environment we've seen him in. But his total, you know, his season in totality, we're talking about a guy drafted 28th, but on draft night, you got, you know, the before draft night, you have Larry Harris telling us that Draymond Green is making sure the Warriors draft a, quote, you know, 16 game player instead of 82 game player. They wanted to draft somebody it might have been low ceiling, but they wanted high floor. It was going to be able to come in and give them minutes right away. Jacob Evans has not been able to do that. That's hurt their depth. And he and that's just, you know, he's one guy in a string of guys uh, on this failed youth movement. You know, Patrick McCaw pushes his way out of town. Jordan Bell takes a step back in year two. Um, Damian Jones tears his peck. Jacob Evans can't help. I mean, that's four important young pieces that just haven't worked out. Now, you know, Kevon Looney has. They found Alfonso McKinney out of, you know, thin air, basically. That's helped. But, you know, it's just we, we don't talk about it much. We're not going to talk about it really at all in the playoffs. Or nobody will even think about Jacob Evans until the summer. Um, but it, it just hurts them uh, that, that that they weren't able to uh, find a rotation guy where they really wanted to and expected to and thought they had found a rotation guy. Uh, ninth stat on here. Uh, staying on the bench theme, they have 240 made threes from their bench this season, which um, that's 80 more than last season. Last year they were they only made 160 uh, in 82 games off their bench, um, so they made 80 more this year, and they've done it on 37.8 percent, which is the second uh, most accurate bench from three in the league. It's still not high volume. Again, that's those 240 are the second fewest in the league. Um, but they're just they have more guys this year I think they can you know f- space the floor as they enter the playoffs Nick Young was kind of a disaster although he had a nice little playoff moment in the in the West Finals but you know I'm not sure how much Jurebko is going to play in the playoffs or Quinn Cook uh, you know in important playoff games um, but the fact that he would always shooting it a little bit better that Jurebko when he does come off the bench always seems to hit a couple threes uh, so that's at least a tool that they have McKinney you know, he's hit some corner threes. The shot is very hot and cold, and there's times he'll go into deep slumps, but he's at least willing to jack it, whereas you got guys like last year, McCaw, unwilling to take it. Caspi, before he got cut, pretty unwilling to take it. Uh, Nick Young even hesitant at times. So um, I just think the fact that they made 240 and they're shooting it accurately from the bench this season, that matters uh, as they head towards the playoffs. Stat number 10, final one I had on here, 27 road wins. They can make it 28 tomorrow in Memphis. If they do win that game, that would be the most road wins in the NBA. Uh, to me, that's when they've shown them themselves most this season uh, is on the road against good teams. They won in their only game in Milwaukee. They won in their only game in Philadelphia. Won in their only game in Boston. Won in their only game in Oklahoma City. Won in one of their two games in Houston and Denver. I'm so that's six of their top seven uh, toughest playoff opponents to, to most people. Uh, Toronto not being on that list. And in the Toronto game, their lone game in Toronto, no Steph Curry. And they took it to overtime uh, nearly won that game. So that's just kind of a comforting uh, stat for them, I guess, as they enter the playoffs. Just, they've won in all these places that you know they're going to have to go in and 
pro- you know, pretty much every series you want to get at least one road win, even if you don't want home court. And it's going to be a very confident team going into any of these road environments across the league. Uh, so anyways, those are the 10 stats. I got full articles on the website. Um, I will talk to you post game from Memphis or at least at some point either late tomorrow night or at some point Thursday probably previewing whoever they play we will know it's a, you know by the end of the games tomorrow night um and starting probably with that series preview podcast again my podcasts are only going to be showing up exclusively on the athletic app it's a pretty crisp podcast listening experience uh again apologies to, to for creating maybe a hassle for some podcast listeners, but it's business. And, and as this business pushes forward, uh, we need to figure out ways to monetize stuff as well as possible. And as the athletic tries to grow, this is the smartest thing for us to do. Uh, so podcast now behind the paywall with all of our content. And look, if you don't subscribe to the athletic right now, I, I really uh, would encourage you to do so with so much good stuff coming out every day in every sport. Our you know college basketball coverage during the tournament was awesome with all these uh, very unique stories. Dur- throughout the playoffs, um, we should have great content across the league about every team from a national perspective, from a local perspective. Uh, I think our Warriors coverage is kind of bar none with with all the different voices we got around it. So uh, again, please subscribe for the podcast and for the articles. And I will talk to you for after the Memphis game. And we will be talking about a playoff series. It's crazy we're already here.